Welcome once again to Cinemaholics, the major motion podcast, where we talk about the biggest and the best films coming to theaters and streaming online. From the San Francisco Bay Area, I am John Agurney, film editor for theyoungfolks.com. And from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, he's a news and entertainment writer at Collider. It's Will Ashton. Hello, hello. Will, we have a special guest. Yes, we do. By popular demand. Sure. He's been known to brandish himself, self-described Jordan Peele stalker, I think is the word that he uses. Yeah. And Jordan Peele does as well. And uh, his lawyers. It is, of course, Adonis Gonzalez. Say hi, Adonis. Hey, how's it going, guys? Lovely to be back. He didn't do it. He didn't say hi, Adonis, Will. I was wrong. I was so sure he was going to do it. Man, that was... Oh, my... I didn't think about that. Wait, can we run it back? Can we go back? Can we just do the intro? No, it was a test, Adonis. I had it all planned out. I was going to kick you off the show. Oh, Hmm. okay, okay. Well... See, I, you we still passed. can run it back. You actually passed it, Don. The night is young. You never know. John set you up the fail, and you actually yeah. won. So I, I would take this as a victory lap. I tried to make a spectacle out of podcasting hosting. A spectacle, you said. I got bit. <laughs> I'd be lying if I said I knew what John was even talking about right now. So I, I, I'm just Whatever. reveling in John. Will was in on it from the start. <laughs> what a liar. It, Will oh, was just like, yeah, John, it's a great idea. Can't wait. Mm. Will oh, knew the man. whole time. We thought he was oblivious, but now he's been using it to... Uh, he's the puppet master. You know, he's got his whole amusement park of schemes. Anyway. I was going to say, I think this is a fitting timing to bring Adonis back on the show, because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the last time you were on the show, Adonis, was when we were talking about Candyman, which Jordan Peele didn't uh, direct, it's only been but he did. years since Candyman. Huh. Uh, he did That's co-write true. and produce that film. So you are, uh, yeah, your regular Jordan Peele contributor for I'm this back. podcast. I mean, I'm stalking him. I might as well just go ahead and talk about his filmography. I mean, I knew about Note before anyone else did. I saw the uh, the notes on his desk. It's kind of hard to see from far away, but you know. Yeah, you, you would have voted for Nope a third time. Of course. A fourth time if I could. Well, welcome back. Adonis, Adonis Gonzalez, Adonis Gonzalez, please tell tell the listeners who are you, where are you from, what you up to? Oh, okay, okay. Um, well, I'm just a simple country boy from Arizona, California bred, but Arizona raised. Um, living it out in the city on the East Coast. I won't say which one. I'm I'm learning internet safety. You know, can't just throw out there where you're at. Um, there's a Starbucks in the city, though. I'll let you know that. That's a little hint. Um, and you know, I'm just, just living my life out here doing the cliche, working in a, in a restaurant, getting tips kind of thing. You know, you know how it is. Brie Larson's character and, uh, or not Brie Larson. Um, oh, I'm blanking on her name. That's awful. Uh, Cinderella, you know, baby driver. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Lily James. Lily James. James. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Not Brie Larson. You know, just doing my thing. That's who I am. Well, here, here's a tip for the listeners. Follow Adonis on Twitter. Please. At... Adogon, what's the number? Uh, two one. I forget. Two one two one. No, just one two one. Two one. Two one. That's it. Um, I like to think of you, Adonis, as like if I was at like a Best Buy, let's say a Best Buy or a Fries in LA. You know, you'd be that guy. I'd come. You know, I'd I'd walk up to, and we would just go on a big adventure together. Oh, absolutely, man. strangers. I'm yeah. the leader of the Geek Squad. I'm gonna show you the. Uh, I'm like the Bed Bath and Beyond guy who shows you the Beyonds. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you're a real Christopher Walken. Kind <laughs> yeah, of guy. I was gonna say I'm a real uh, click. Yeah. You're also working on um, our Nope review for The Young Folks. I am, And yes. I'm very excited to... I, I don't know what you think of this movie spe- like in detail yet. I haven't read your oh. review or, you know, you're still putting that together. And I don't know what it Will thinks about this movie, which is... It's rare. Usually, 
he comes out of movies and he just gives me like paragraph upon paragraph, but he's been coy. He's been quiet. Who knows what that means? And I feel a little scared to look him in the eye right now because, you know, who knows what will happen. Um, but yeah, we are talking about a new Jordan Peele movie. This is the first time we've ever had a special guest for a Jordan Peele movie. We have covered his last two films on Oh, Cinema yeah. Hawks. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, I forgot that Get Out was uh, one of our first ever reviews. I think it was like episode two or three. Yeah, because our yeah, first, our, yeah, I think three. I, I think we it was started. Three. I'll look it. Up. We started Cinemaholics with a simple goal. No, we started with a, like Lego Batman and John Wick Chapter Two. I'll never forget. And you know, podcast is born. And Get Out was like one of the first like kind of not heated discussions, but big disagreements between me and Will Adonis. Do you know about this? I don't actually. I do not. Would who do you think who do you think liked Get Out more, me or, or Will? Oh, um, I'm trying not to give it away with my face, but it's tough, you know. I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna bet on Ashton. I think I'm gonna say Will liked Get Out more than you, John. Am I wrong? Oh, do you want to tell him, Will? Do you want to? Do you want to be that guy? Oh no, no, he is correct. That uh, <laughs> yeah, I I actually had to kind of come around a little bit more on Get Out. I liked it when I saw it, but I think I've grown to like it more. Uh, upon rewatch and then with the uh, introspection and then also reading more about the film. Uh, yeah, you weren't a fully, hater. Yeah, I wasn't a hater, no. You were just more critical, I think, than the consensus. Because at the time, I remember there was a lot of hyperbole. There was a lot of like, get out of here if you didn't like the film. Right, yeah. But yeah, you you just had some, you know, you had some critiques. I think that you kind of were, you had a little bit, if I'm recalling correctly, you were a little bit of like, I'm not sure why everybody is like super high up on this. And it was more of like, you're trying to investigate that a bit. And I did my best to help, but there's only so much I could do. Well, again, like I said, I think I've come around on it pretty high. I, I don't know. I mean, I was you trying to think. that year. I think by the time we got to Oscars, you were kind of like, yeah. Yeah. I, I think it was around then. Then also, I remember we watching Get Out before us and then I really grew to like the movie about as much, I think, as everyone else does. Um, I, I don't know. Just, I think it hit me a lot more the second time as opposed to the first viewing, which sure. I think tends to be the case for a lot of Jordan Peele films. I know a lot of people have grown to like us more upon rewatch. I think we were uh, somewhat in the minority, I guess, as far as like being so high on us compared to some of our colleagues. And then we'll see how we favor as far as Nope is concerned. But yeah, I mean, well, I've mm -hmm. gotten six emails since you just said that each of them and, and they're not listening. They're all from listeners, though, saying, hey, can you read the part of Will's Us review where he talks about Get Out? And I guess I'll just do that because I have it right here conveniently, ironically and coincidentally. Oh, okay, um, so cool. this is what Will said about Get Out in his Us review from 2019, March 22nd. Okay. Um, are, are you guys ready? I, you look sure. ready. OK. I did find Get Out to be well-made, compelling, engaging, pulpy, and above all else, a timely horror film. That's Will. Mm -hmm. But I was too focused on its imperfections, and admittedly, I overlooked a few of its triumphs. Mm -hmm. So that's that's our Will Ashton, you know? He's just always grown. Always, he's grown up. He's willing. He's willing. I love it, Will, because you're willing to acknowledge that sometimes your opinion will change on a movie. You know, give it time. I don't do that. I'm way too proud and egotistical. Oh, I never admit not. when I'm wrong. I, I had a I'm willing, you say? About um, Justice League, the original, <laughs> the 2017. And I was like, oh, you know, maybe that wasn't such a bad film. Immediately rejected that idea because there's no way I'm, mm -hmm. I'm revisiting that. Is there, is there, I'm trying to, there have been plenty of movies that I didn't like at first I came around on, but I can't think of one on the spot. I'm sure there is. Will's probably just like, I can, I can count him down if you want. It was Once Upon a well, Time for see. me, for sure. <laughs> uh, Wait, did geez. you say one, Will? Well, no, I was going to, but then I was caught off guard by, 
Adonis not liking Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Apparently. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I like it now. I do. Um, okay. The first time I saw it, it was a little. Uh, you know, I, I I understood what it that was. That movie going grew on me too, actually. I, th- I, I, I was kind of with you, Adonis. Yeah, yeah. I remember we were like, yeah, it was okay, but I wouldn't say it was like because there were a lot of people saying, oh, this is Tarantino's best yet, and I'm like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, hateful eight did just like, come out, right? Like, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, Get Out, good movie, uh, really good movie, and then Us. Us, I really, really liked Us. Jordan Peele sophomore film. I liked the class warfare angle. I liked, oh my gosh, Lupita Nyong'o in that movie. I, I liked the whole set of it. I thought it was thoroughly creepy. Uh, very good movie. I mean, I, I don't know if how to compare it to Get Out. They're so different, but I love both the movies. But um, have we have we grown in our estimation of us? Has it changed at all? Will Adonis? Who knows? Uh, for as much as I was talking about how much uh, his movies get better upon rewatch. I actually haven't seen that one more than once, but I do want to rewatch at some point. But I mean, just, you know, reflecting upon it, I, I feel like my opinion hasn't really changed. Maybe gone down slightly as far as like the ending is concerned, but I still really love mm-hmm. that last shot. Uh, I mean, I just think the twist is still like maybe a little too, uh, too easy to predict. But I mean, I, I think sure. that, that last metaphoric shot is just so good that I, I still reflect fondly on that whole experience even with the end included yeah i think i'm with you there um and i was i i gotta say too i mean i gotta admit i've only watched us and get out one time each i should rewatch them you're right i'm gonna do it uh, but adonis um what about you has it changed for you with us um i feel like you liked it when it came out i actually i really enjoyed us when it came out um it hasn't changed much i've only seen us and get out i think like twice each um so I definitely, they're definitely due for a rewatch for me as well. But no, not much changed after Us. I think Us, um, even more so than Get Out, watching it the second time, there was a lot more to to like grab onto, I guess. Um, and like once we get into Nope, I think that's going to be the case for me when I eventually go out and see it again. Um, so yeah, I think I, I think I enjoyed Us like just as much, if maybe not a little bit more. It hasn't really changed that much in my standing. I think it's his. I still I've. We'll talk about this later. I still think Us is like Peel's best film, um, but we'll talk about that later when we get into this one. See, I'm not, I'm not as confident in like in like ranking any of his movies. It's and, hard, yeah. You know, maybe maybe we'll talk more about Peel kind of as a filmmaker as we go. But kind of getting into Nope, I think for me, one of the things I appreciate about this guy, he's only been coming out with movies over the last five years, right? He's made three. And, you know, some people forget, I guess. And, hey, there's a whole generation of people who might not even know of the Jordan Peele that we grew up with, right? The Kean Peele, Jordan Peele, the Mad TV Jordan Peele, right? And he's a guy who people didn't see coming. Uh, you know, he, he's a guy who, you know, didn't just start in comedy. He started in sketch comedy and then out of nowhere, he's making these kind of like socially conscious blockbuster movies that are smart and layered and just very easy to talk about and dissect they're very mm-hmm. they're great podcast fodder yeah right in yeah. fact if anything i feel like we're due for uh you know a, a re sort of a conversation a do-over conversation about get out well because we only talked about that movie for like 20 minutes or something and it had just oh, come really? out hmm. yeah you know it, i i remember it wasn't that deep a discussion and it, we were still finding our sea legs of course you know sure you know but I think that at this point, especially when we were getting into us, we were definitely a little bit more of like, okay, this guy's a force. 
You know, mm-hmm. he's not just able to make movies that critics like. He's able to make a movie that audiences are like, I want to see this in the movie theater. If it's Jordan Peele, he's already kind of building out a signature touch as a director. Uh, do, you, uh, do you agree with that, Will? Yeah, he's a regular marquee name at a time when uh, filmmakers, like the new guard filmmakers at least, are are finding a hard time uh, establishing themselves as much. Not for a lack of yeah. talent, look but at, rather for a Russo lack brothers, of... Right? Well, sure, out the guess... big Netflix movie right now, and you, you, who could care less? Yeah, I mean, they, you know, they shot themselves in the foot by acting like they're high and mighty, better than the theaters or whatever, with their interviews uh, and their press tour and all that. But I was going to say... But I think that's, I think that's immaterial. Mm-hmm. That They could have not said that, and I think it still would be a big old shrug to the ground. Oh, right sure, now. yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that's uh, the reason why it's, it's getting such a passive response. But going back to your earlier point as far as Jordan Peele and his career trajectory... Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things that's so fascinating about Jordan Peele is that I can't really compare him to anyone else. Like, I mean, we were talking about this, you and me, you and me, John, uh, like maybe like Terry Gilliam, as far as like going from being like a Monty Python guy to like, you know, being the guy who makes Brazil and, you know, Time Bandits and 12 Monkeys Which and whatnot. are still but, kind of culty movies, though. They're not like, sure. That's they're the not, thing is like, yeah. you could really can't really compare it to Peele, who's making like big movies like movies that everybody's yeah. talking about and oscar winning films or at least an oscar winning film uh yeah there's an air prestige yeah 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 get out got, what, i mean uh, screenplay mm-hmm. yes uh yeah i mean i just think he is kind of just on his own plane right now and it's really fascinating and i think he's using that influence for good certainly as a producer i think he's doing a lot of interesting and compelling things so i'll admit that I think his producing work isn't quite as intriguing as what he's been doing as a director. Yeah, a few misses. You got Twilight Zone, Candyman. Yeah, it hasn't been amazing. I mean, I haven't seen the Twilight Zone reboot. I thought I heard the first season and maybe the second were pretty... Did it only get two seasons or did it get a third one? I think two, but uh, okay. I'm not 100% sure because going back to that, I just don't think it's a very successful thing right. compared to his other work. I do think there is something to be said about, as we mentioned before, I think when he is only... A screenwriter and a producer i think his work isn't quite as confident i i mean i guess we're maybe a little more, more negative than most on Candyman, but i just don't think that movie really came together too well and that was a pretty big disappointment for me last year and i think going back to like something like keanu i remember being kind of let down maybe i'm due for a rewatch of that one as well but i, I think that one was kind of an overstretched premise so I, i'm not quite a soul in jordan peele when he is just in screenwriting mode but i think as a director there's no denying the confidence and just the way that he's able to compel a narrative and make all these like original compelling images and you know make as we, we've been mentioning entertaining films that you know you can just dissect them think about them a lot but you can also just enjoy them as you know big pulpy entertaining blockbusters as well i'll, I'll say real quick uh, monkey prop productions has a lot of films under its belt outside of just jordan peele's directorial efforts so because you also have keanu is the first one uh, Black Klansman, one of the most successful uh, in terms of awards. And oh, then sure, yeah. uh, Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul, which premiered at Sundance this past year, which uh, I thought was good. Um, I forget I forget where you landed on it. I, yeah, I thought it was good. wasn't crazy about it, but I didn't hate it. Okay. So it was a real get out kind of thing for you. Anyway, uh, Adonis, <laughs> uh, what, what about you? Because, uh, you know, we've talked about Jordan Peele, I think. But, uh, you know, what, what do you think is so special about the guy? That's um, that's honestly a question I've been trying to figure out because, I mean, Will's right. There's not really, there's nobody that comes to my mind besides, 
I mean, I guess the obvious one is like a lot of people say is like the new Hitchcock, you know, like he's the kind of director who comes in and just kind of makes something that you're, you're not sure what to expect, uh, come the end of the runtime, you know, but even then it's like Hitchcock and, and Peel are such different directors. Like when you really get down to them, I just, I think that Peel is obviously inspired by him, just like he's inspired by so many different directors of the past. Like there's a lot of Kubrick, um, a lot of Terry Gilliam, I think, but I don't think that like he necessarily bases his career off of any of them. I think he just kind of leaps off of theirs as like a, a jumping point. Like, okay, here's what came before me, but I'm going to do something different. Um, so I think Peel is like, I think what's special about him is that he, he has a very good understanding of like how Hollywood works, um, how storytelling works, but he also has a very good understanding of who he is as a director. Um, and there doesn't seem to be, at least it doesn't, it doesn't look like there's any big like studio interference when it comes to like his vision. And I, I, I guess that's mainly because like monkey paw productions is a lot like his baby, you know? Um, but I was going to ask, did, did any of, uh, did either of you see, um, uh, Lovecraft County on, uh, I don't remember if it's Lovecraft County or Lovecraft it? country country. Okay. On HBO. Did you yeah. See yeah. I, I did. I did watch that. Um, I did not very, very interesting show. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was one that kind of, it had me in the first half. Not going to lie. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I do remember that cause John, for like the first like four or five episodes, it's like, well, you got to watch this. You yeah. got to watch this. I think Abby was also like, you got to watch this. You got to watch it. I still then, think you should watch the first like four or five episodes. They're really good. Right. And they stand alone. They're not, I, it, it's not, it's kind of episodic. Yeah, I'm not yeah, doubting that. I'm just saying TV is one of those things where if I know someone who isn't watching a show I love, I don't get mad at them because there's just so much TV right now. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's a something an etiquette that you don't really subscribe to or you'll get <laughs> mad at me if i'm not watching no. some some show like abbott elementary or whatever and i'm like i'm sorry there are a bazillion other shows i want to watch Adonis, older please ones. please forgive will he knows not what he does come on will there's no space for uh, Abbott elementary in your i'm not saying there's not no 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 you no, now you're putting words See, in my here, mouth which i don't think you should here's the uh, issue adonis the issue is that we'll be like you know what john I, i'd like to thanks for the recommendation thanks for thinking of me and treating me with kindness and respect and mm. friendship but i'm just sure. so busy and i'm like that's, that's understandable <laughs> will you're busy you don't have time and then he's just like anyway i'm re-watching some tim heidecker thing that i already watched 12 times uh and i'm like okay you know Tim Heidecker, that's fine co-star of us that's fair. Um, that's fair. I mean, I'm. There's so many things people have been telling me to watch. I'm just now. Don't tell the internet. I'm just now getting into Fleabag, um, because I've just been watching Star Wars. I mean, recently I've just been I'm like texting the internet right now. Please don't tell them. They're going to be so upset. I haven't seen the sexy priest yet. I don't get the memes. I just know that. Is it true that I, apparently She-Hulk? They were like, we want this to be, you know, Marvel's Fleabag. I think they well, said. Well, they also um, said She-Hulk is going to be Marvel's first like animated, not animated, um, first like syndicated comedy or something or it's gonna be the first one to like give off that vibe and i'm just like i don't are they pretty sure they all did that Did they forget about hawkeye do they forget about all of them but i mean (laughs) it's pretty much a sitcom but sure yeah, I thought they were going more for like an Ally McBeal kind of thing. That's what like I maybe thought. Maybe a little better yeah. call. Saul. I haven't seen any trailers or I haven't seen any of the promotional marketing stuff. So I don't know if this has already been established. But to me, it's kind of wild that you have two Marvel characters who are like superhero lawyers in the same city. 
it's a little bit like you got daredevil over here she hulk over here they both have their own shows we're gonna do something is there gonna be a big case and then why am i asking these uh, questions oh, when we should be talking about no i don't want to be kept by but I'm, I'm certain we're getting daredevil and she hulk i mean it's it's a missed opportunity for sure if we don't but well i mean i think they, I mean, they are uh, yeah yeah is that confirmed at this point i don't, I don't know i don't want to just make guesses wild and speculative yeah. whatever anyway uh so going nope, back nope to was directed nope. by <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, i do want to say i mean uh one thing i do kind of worry about going back to something adonna said is that i do think there is a sort of pressure that's put on jordan peele like you're not alone adonis in, in saying that he, people are saying like oh he's like the new hitchcock he has very hitchcockian influence and all that and kubrick as you mentioned and you know people have been saying about carpenter and uh whomever else like spielberg uh, and M. Night Shyamalan as well. And I think the latter is probably the most interesting because that was another filmmaker who people were so eager to compare to, you know, Spielberg and Hitchcock to the point where, you know, I mean, they're very flattering compliments, but I think even Jordan Peele has come out and been like, don't compare me to these other filmmakers. Like, I don't want that burden, you know, the, that's a lot of pressure. And also, I think he just wants to establish himself as his own filmmaker. Now, with yeah, that said, he's there also is a, a filmmaker. Yeah, he's, a, sorry, he's a comedian at heart. He doesn't want to take himself too seriously, right? Oh, for I sure. I think that's true, yeah, yeah. And I think there's a lot, and that I think it's something about this film that I think some folks, I don't want to, you know, speak for either of you, but I know some folks, I think are kind of undermining how funny Nope can be. Like I, I don't know. I, 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 I feel like films that. are reviews. Yeah, like, well, I've I, seen I feel some like people it's a just be funny like, film. We, "Will and I were complaining about this earlier in terms of like film criticism." And uh, a common film crit uh, criticism I tend to hear that can be true, but sometimes I hear it gets like overused and abused, is like the tone is all over the place. When I think that like no, the tone isn't all over the place. <laughs> I think it has like scenes have different tones. Like movies aren't just the same mood and same like right. emotion all the way through. If they are, that's boring. Like, you know, it takes skill to have a consistent tone that like you want it to be funny in certain parts and you want it to be scary or action oriented in other parts. Like mm -hmm. the best movies are able to blend genres, right? Oh, sure. I mean, like in life, like, you know, like there's like funny stuff that will sometimes happen at a funeral and then there's like funny stuff that happens or sad stuff that happens at a wedding. You know, it's not like one thing is always, always happy and one thing is always totally sad and somber. You know, things can change on a dime. And I think if anything, I'm I'm appreciative when Jordan Peele can kind of balance those two elements. I, th I think he does here pretty well in certain key scenes. Yeah. But I know some people I, I, I feel like when they see a comedic moment they kind of get off put i think the problem will be more for something like say thor love and thunder where i think a lot of the more serious moments are undermined by the quippiness and stuff but that's not to relitigate a conversation from a couple weeks ago yeah no i agree i think that um like if i was in i i, I put myself in the shoes of like the haywoods you know if i was in that situation and i saw you know what they see we'll get into what what scene um later but like if i was in that situation i probably would just say nope and and walk or walk away you know realistically it wouldn't be um i think a lot of people mistake uh like the tone not being right to just like the tone just not being what they expected you know like i think a lot of people expected a, a pure like close encounters sci-fi horror kind of oh my god like Kiki Palmer screaming at the mm -hmm. at the screen like why well, why like kind of dramatic yeah, I, I mean 
I, I think to, to boil it down even simpler, I think what tends to happen is people will watch something and they don't fully love it and they try to figure out why they didn't love it. Mm. And so they, they try to just come up with reasons, I think, sometimes. And I think they just like, you know, that scene did this thing. And I think the rules say that you shouldn't do that. So that's what the problem was. But I think sometimes you just watch something and you're not vibing with it. You're just not jumping. And that's fine. But you're not. It, you, look, it takes multiple viewings sometimes to fully understand how you feel about a movie. That's all I'm saying. I was going to say, though, I think one thing I really do love about uh, like what Don's talking about, the way that the movie used the title Nope, is that it kind of gets into what I feel is like the sort of thrust of the film, which is that, you know, there's this kind of popular criticism with like, you know, haunted house films or something like Paranormal Activity, where people would just be like, why are they staying in the house? Why are yeah. they just not leaving? <laughs> and all that stuff, which, you know, it, it's a funny, you know, complaint you can make, but also it's kind of like, well, then there's no movie, you know, it's just like if they leave the house, then they just, you know, have a nice life, I guess. They're just like they let it go. But I think this movie is kind of fascinating in that it's exploring the idea of like, why are we so compelled to these things that we know are bad or even dangerous for us? Like something that we know we don't want to look at, something that we feel we shouldn't look at. But we have this innate humane need to kind of explore something that's perverse or dark and bizarre. And I think that's something that Jordan Peele explores really well with this film. We've done a really good job of talking about this movie without explaining anything about it <laughs> in terms of the plot and this premise. I mean, um, that's only fitting on purpose. Yeah. Well, that's been on purpose because I think that, um, I did want to kind of get out there a little bit of a, a precursor and a little bit of, you know, as we ease in, because I, I am weary that like, we don't want to, we, we don't want to spoil this for people, but obviously if you're listening at this point, you know, like we're not going to spoil anything that happens. Like, I'd say like past like the 30% mark in the beginning of the movie. Right. So we're not going to talk about, and we won't be that detailed. We're going to, we're going to preserve some things because there are things I don't want to talk about that I feel like people should watch for themselves, you know, but I do want to start getting into what we actually think of this one ourselves. We've been talking a lot about what other people think. Who cares? Um, let's talk about the boys. Uh, okay. So the premise of note is, uh, as kind of, we, we all have been kind of alluding to some of the things that happened early on in this movie, but the basic gist is that there are a group of these horse trainers, they train horses for Hollywood uh, productions, like if one scene, for example, they are kind of like managing this horse that's going to be in a commercial. Uh, they are the, uh, I think the Haywood twins, or not twins, but they're Haywood siblings. Uh, I think, I think um, OJ is like the older one, right? I don't know if they even established like who's the older or younger one. I don't know if it matters, but um, Daniel Clue is older than Kiki Palmer. So I just assumed, you know, he's the eldest of the two. I mean, it is. Well, here's the problem. It's a movie. So it could be whatever you. Sure, anyway, so, I guess. Why not? <laughs> um, Daniel Kalua plays OJ. Uh, and yes, they do call attention to his name being OJ. Uh, he is uh, the older or younger brother, who knows, to a character named Emerald, who is played by Keiki Palmer. And they're kind of uh, they're, they're dealing with the fallout of their father, who's played by uh, Keith David. And he passes away at the beginning of the movie. We won't really get into how, uh, but essentially they are left this ranch and they're trying to keep the business alive. And some weird, creepy stuff has been going on in their ranch that is kind of like in this gulch outside of Los Angeles, speaking of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And uh, some some weird occurrence has been having, happening in the sky. And they think that, like, if there is any sort of, like, even if it's a hoax, some kind of allusion to a UFO and they get it on camera, that could be their ticket to selling it and perhaps making enough money to save the ranch. And, you know, when the big talent show before the mayor tears down the community center, uh, all that good stuff. 
Uh, there are a lot of other people in this movie, but I don't I don't want to like reveal too much. I mean, we do have Stephen Young who plays a uh, a former child actor who kind of sets up this like Western reenactment center that like borders the ranch, all kinds of hijinks going on with his character who has been buying the horses um, from the Haywoods and he wants to buy the whole ranch too. They're like, no, no, we're going to save it. Uh, And so we we also have uh, Michael Wincott who I did not know was in this movie. And I was very very happy to see him very surprised, Uh, but he plays uh, this kind of, you know, dark and serious uh, film director or cinematographer i think in this movie and he he wants to get like you know the perfect shot right we also have brandon Priya as a tech salesman at fry's electronics we used to have fries in the bay area uh it's like a best buy but you know not quite it's like best buy circuit city that kind of thing i thought that they were all closed down like all the ones out here kind of closed down there might still be a few here and there maybe one in la that they're referencing but uh, he plays a character named Angel who's trying to help the Haywoods set up cameras so they can get a shot of what has been lurking in the sky. The problem is their technology keeps shutting down whenever it comes around. So that's the basic setup of Nope. Let's talk about what we think, though. Uh, I'll say real quick, I, I've i had a week to think about this movie. I, I saw it uh, a little earlier, and I I didn't know too much about like what other people were saying. I think I, I saw more mixed stuff coming out and a few negative reviews. And I remember mentioning that to Will, like as I was getting ready to watch this on IMAX and Will was like, you know what? I'm seeing lots of positives, you know? So there seemed to be a little bit of like a uh, different timelines thing oh, going on there. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I showed Which the receipts. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Will Will was just like sending them up, blasting them all to my, to my inbox. It's like, calm down. <laughs> but uh, I, I really enjoyed this film and I've, I've, it's only gotten better in my estimation since I kind of walked out at a little bit of like, what did I just watch? I kind of had to write about it to really get to the heart of what I think. And I'm, I'm very, very positive. I, I think that this movie is just one of those ones that hit me in the right ways. And it disturbed me in the right ways. It really messed me up. Uh, there are two scenes in this movie that have not escaped my psyche. Uh, but I want to hear what you guys have to say, starting with Mr. Will Ashton. Will Ashton, uh, Willie Ash, uh, the Ash Man himself, Will the Thrill. I don't like um, uh, any of these. Will T.A. Okay. Um, William Tyler. Um, okay. I have 12 more. Uh, yeah. What did you think you, of Nope? Well, you cut that out. Uh, yeah. So what do I think of Nope? Uh, I think I already got into my thoughts a little bit already, but I'm definitely, as I mentioned before, in the positive camp for it, just because, as we've already mentioned, like, even though I'm pretty fresh, I guess, compared to you two, uh, Donna, like you said, you just saw it yesterday. Johnny had a whole week to think about it. I'm coming in only a few hours from seeing it. But it is a film that, uh, you know, I, I had heard, I guess, a little bit more than you, John, going into this. I, I knew kind of the general ideas I was exploring, but there's obviously a lot of stuff I didn't know about going into this or stuff that I was alluded to that I didn't really understand until I saw the film. And then when I did see the film, it, it opened it up for me in a way that I really wasn't expecting. Because as we mentioned, I think part of the thrill going into the film is knowing that because Jordan Peele has the accessibility to play with such a big canvas and make a film that has like, you know, an original idea for UFOs and lets him make a movie with IMAX cameras and really explore uh, the canvas of filmmaking in a way that feels very fresh and unique to him. It does offer a lot more as far as like, okay, what is he going to do with this idea? And 
seeing the trailers and not really knowing much about what's going into the film, it's like, okay, this could really be almost any, about almost anything. And that when you get a chance to actually see the film, you can read it a number of different ways. But for me, as I mentioned before, I feel like it is kind of this uh, fascinating look at our need to kind of survey or explore trauma or this innate desire to kind of look at the things that we feel compelled to not really whether it's something that we shouldn't look at or something that, you know, is so undeniably grandiose that we feel we have to look at it. Uh, it it's something that is just innately very human. It can be perverse or can be dark and it could be something beautiful. And it's also exploring the very nature of filmmaking, which gets into what we were talking about before. I feel like there is, there are a lot of filmmakers compare uh, Jordan Peele to, but the one filmmaker, surprisingly, that I thought about a lot while watching this uh, was uh, Werner Herzog, because the film itself, uh, as we were kind of alluding to, not only explores the very idea of like, you have to kind of make film against the odds, like making films is sort of like capturing a miracle in a bottle. Like it's this very idea that like no real sane person can really get into filmmaking in a way Like you kind of have to round about these sort of people that you may not even like, but you, you do feel compelled in the same exact way to do this very laborious taxing thing and it can be very exhausting you may not actually produce something worthwhile but when you do get those kind of magic moments it, it can be such a beautiful and wondrous thing but also the idea that like in doing so especially when it comes to lower level uh, employees or in the sadder case with a lot of animals there is this very innately tragic thing where you know you can't really control wildlife i mean that's something with Werner herzog i feel like you know certainly with grizzly man like you, there's this like you know innate power and humanity to like want to explore the wild and the unknown and it can be very devastating and also very beautiful at the same time but then also when you explore trauma like he did in uh, a film like little deer needs to fly where you have like a, a guy who had this very traumatic incident early in his life that ultimately defined his life, but in a way that, you know, obviously made it a lot harder, but it's the very thing that he's known for. And with Werner Herzog's film, it becomes this thing that he's like going to be known for forever and ever, but he has to kind of turn the darkest moments of his life into a kind of odd form of entertainment. And I feel like that is very uh, reminiscent of Steven Yeun's character in this film, a character who I find to be, I think the most compelling and fascinating character in the film. And if anything, I felt like I wanted to know more about him. I think there's a lot that we get. And I think, he is the source of, I think, the most sort of fascinating and tragic moments in the film. And I, I, I feel like his performance really taps into that in a lot of compelling ways. But I think that also gets into uh, a lot of things I like about the film is that it, it knows how to pull back its cars, not show everything all at once, but also give us enough of a taste to feel how fleshed out and intricate and kind of dark these characters can be at the same time. So, yeah, a film I really have grown to like even in these few hours that I've, that I've gone from seeing it and a film I imagine I'm going to like even more upon reflection, including this conversation. What about you, Adonis? Because I know, you know, we, we've had conversations, you and me, in the past and we've agreed on things, we've disagreed on things, we've fought, we've bickered. <laughs> we've had our spots. What about this time? Because um, you've kind of mentioned this movie has, it's it's kind of stuck with you, but in a good way or a bad Oh, way? I, a tremendous way, honestly. I I think I walked out probably pretty similarly to the both of you. I think I walked out going like, what did I just watch? Like, I think I had to really sit down and think about like what it is I just seen on, on screen. Cause I mean, there's so much spectacle and so much like 
there's so many twists and turns and like, and things you expect and then you don't get them and you get something else. You're like, Oh, okay. So this is what we're getting. Um, and I think like, like you're going back to what you were saying before. I think a lot of people, when they watch a movie like that and they see something and they're either like, well, I don't know if I liked that or I don't know if I really understand that. Or if I don't, I don't know if that's what I was expecting. Sometimes people will go like, Oh, okay. It was, it was bad. You know? So I walked out of, um, Nope. Thinking, well, I really enjoyed my experience, but I'm just left with so much. I don't really know how I feel about it. And I was just like up like for two extra hours after that. Um, I went to work in the morning and I was just thinking about it. And uh, we were actually talking on Twitter and I saw that that uh, Logan Paul, shout out Logan Paul, um, tweet thread. And friend of the show, right? Uh, oh, I guess uh, not, huh? Former alumni of mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> oh, you went, went to, to the same. Uh, yeah, oh. he went to the same college of mine for one semester. I've no been within uh, a few feet of him before. I yeah. That's Never crazy. Met him personally. He I did meet Jake Paul. That's good. I was gonna say if it was Jake, he might have tried to fight yeah. you if you were that close. So I'm glad. Glad you were yeah, that close. That's a. That's a. Yeah, you got to be more yeah, careful. Man. That's a story for another day. But Jake Paul was a different guy back then. I'll say. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure the Pauls were very different before. Um, uh, but yeah, going into that, I mean, I never, I didn't connect the, um, there's so many layers to this movie. I mean, there's, you can talk about it biblically. You can talk about it um, science fictionally. You can talk about it. Uh, I mean, it opens with the Bible verse, right? Nahum? Th- yeah, yeah. One of the under underrated books of the yeah, Bible. Uh, there should be more, yeah, there should be more quotes. <laughs> the Bible needs more representation in media, I think. I mean, um <laughs> i was just gonna say that like the old testament specifically the books around malachi that's oh, what yeah. if we're gonna make if we're gonna you know recycle ip we should there's some material the biblical there. cinematic universe can be crazy if we stick to old testament that's when the gritty stuff was there that's the that's the dc comics of the bible um careful christopher nolan listens to this show oh so. i'm sorry i'm sorry um oppenheimer by the way great um great way to uh to show off your your movie that's coming out in like a year haven't seen the trailer, so I don't know if it, I don't know. You didn't get know. the um. Oh, that's right. You saw it a little early, huh? Um, there was a little Oppenheimer tease, like, "Hey, by the way, this movie is coming out." Um, at least for yep. mine. Oh, for yours too. Well, okay, okay. Um, mm-hmm. You better believe it. More like Nopenheimer. <laughs> but um, but yeah, going back to to like Logan Paul, um, he really didn't have good things to say about the movie. He didn't like it. He thought it was boring he thought it was too long and overdrawn he thought none of the plot threads connected and i remember uh looking at that and like making a joke about it with you and kind of realizing i never even connected the the social media aspect of this movie and then going back and looking at the scenes obviously there's like very apparent scenes that very clearly reference like social media and like the 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 need to like catch the moment and everything but there's so much more throughout like layer throughout the movie that kind of uh strengthens and like enforces that idea that i didn't really think about in that context until afterwards so like honestly i think i'm this i'm I'm the same as you john like i just keep thinking about the movie and there's more layers that keep unraveling and it's like wow i i mean jordan peele is like a genius i don't want to toot his horn or anything i don't you know but like not that he needs me to do it but like wow it's it's incredible how you can look at this movie and see all of these layers hours after watching it days after watching you know weeks after watching it yeah i mean i was gonna say that's one thing i do find really fascinating about the film is how it is one of the first major 
alien sci-fi blockbusters that we've gotten in the cell phone age where we like, you know, we have immediate access to, you know, like all these infra, you know, videos and information. We have like the power to record something on our phone. How do you directly combat that with a film like this? I think the film finds interesting avenues to get around that, but also to explore that thematically in pretty compelling ways. And I'd like to explore that a little bit later, but I don't want to trip over John's uh, thoughts on the film this early on. No, I mean, I, I, I want to highlight the Logan Paul thing for sure uh, a little bit more. I, I mean, I just look, I cannot get over just the hilarious irony of the Logan Paul, literally yes. like a movie that basically is talking right to him. Right. Like, I'm not just saying to like the audience, I mean, literally people like him. And I, you know, it would take us a while to kind of set it up and make our case for why, but it, it's just, it, it's literally a movie about like people kind of like building spectacle out of traumatizing things right. and not learning the right lessons from those experiences. And without getting into it, Logan Paul has, he's gotten, he's gotten in a few little snafus, a little bit, you know, some, uh, some issues where people have called him out for such things. And so it was just very hilarious for those of us on the internet too much to read him be like, this movie, it just doesn't go to, it just doesn't come together for me. And we're like, dude, I, I, I <laughs> it's just too much. I, I, I got to highlight that, you know, there, there's this thread in the movie and it was one of the main criticisms that he had. Uh, there is this image uh, for, of a shoe that is just kind of like standing up and it's, it's very, very relevant to the themes of the movie. And it kind of, it kind of showcases why I think one of the things that works about the movie for me, and it's that a moment like that has an actual point to it. There's an explanation for why it's in the movie. And it's a good distillation of people who will look at that scene and be like, that doesn't make sense because I don't understand it. And then when you tell them, their reaction is like, oh, but I understood that. And then you're like, okay, well, here's how it's relevant to the plot. It actually ties to character motivation. And then it just kind of at that point seems to be like, well, you know, I still didn't like it. It's like, I get that. No one says you have to like this movie, but it's like I was saying before, I think this is just one of those movies where people are having trouble articulating what they don't like, which happens. And they're kind of looking at the things that Jordan Peele did that were unconventional and blaming it on those things, which I, I, I don't think that, the, you know, I haven't seen a lot of criticisms that are fair in that regard, but I will, I will criticize the film for certain things. Maybe I'll fall into my own trap. Who knows? But there are a couple things. I think that, uh, will you kind of touched on this? I think, weirdly enough, uh, the the sibling characters at times kind of get overshadowed a little bit by the Stephen Young character, how he's written. I think that there's just a little bit of like some thin writing for those two. And there's a point in the movie where it needs to be strong because there's an emotional impact moment. And for me, I was a little bit of like, did I miss something here? Because I feel like I'm supposed to feel something grander, and I don't. And so I just think that as much as I love both actors there was something kind of missing for me there. There was like a scene um, missing or something. I think I do agree with you in an indirect way. Cause I think your last point I do agree with because um, I, they set up the characters really well. Like I think there is something really compelling about how they are both interested indirectly and both directly uh, with show business and the allure and yes. the mystique of show business, but from two different angles where we have OJ, a man who has a genuine love for animals and for, you know, being with, uh, you know, these 
majestic creatures caring for them. But he's, you know, sort of jaded and indifferent to the whole business aspect of it. Uh, he, he's not really that uh, charismatic innately. He's more introverted. And then we have Emerald, who is innately very, you know, starry persona. She's very v- willing to kind of toot her own horn, celebrate the, the bombast of show business and get into it if she can, but she doesn't really care about this family business that they have. And I think there was more opportunity there to kind of show the push and pull of their personalities when they actually get into the UFO exploring, you know, surveillance type uh, angle of their story. And I felt like they, you know, they explored it fine because they, they have a, a kind of connection built but very, by their mutual interests in finding this thing. But I think there was a little bit more avenue to explore that. And I am wondering if that's something that was maybe filmed or some things that are shown that just didn't, you know, get into the final film or maybe is alluded to. Like there is that one scene where, you know, uh, Emerald is kind of gradually kind of pouring her heart out uh, to her brother, talking about how she felt like she kind of had to earn her father's affection in a way that OJ got it more naturally, uh, you know, in the way that I guess she was promised a horse and he she never really got it because he was training OJ. And then, like, even then, OJ doesn't really know how to uh, articulate his feelings or he doesn't really want to reflect on such a, a sad part of her life. So they kind of neglect that. And I think that's some things that, I wanted to see the movie tackle a little bit more. I think that would have made the the second half maybe right. a little bit more compelling. But that's I don't what I'm kind of getting at. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Those. I think you're right, but I I also don't find it to be quite a crutch that I think some other folks have. Yeah, I think be. I think some people are taking that and being like it ruins the movie for them, and maybe that's the case. It doesn't ruin the movie for me. I just think that it's something that I can point to for sure that I felt a little bit like lacking in. Like I wanted a little bit more and. I'm happy with what I got because one thing we haven't talked about with this movie as much is that just viscerally and just in terms of like the experience of watching it, especially the second half, which I think is extremely strong, is just it's outright thrilling. It's blockbuster cinematic to me. Yeah, it had me, you know, edge of my seat and all that good stuff. Not in a Top Gun Maverick kind of way, but definitely closer to it than something like Thor Love and Thunder or Doctor Strange or all these other blockbusters. Like, I barely felt tension in those movies. This movie, I was very, very, I wasn't just invested in terms of like a bigger, grander thing of like, I like Jordan Peele and that's about it. It was also like I was... I was sucked into this like standalone kind of story, which was, Oh nice. yeah. I think there's, um, yeah, there's like a lot of, uh, in the second half, once, once, once you kind of figure out what's going on, I think even after that, there's a lot of scenes where like, even though we kind of know what it is and like, what's, what the big like reveal is near the end. Even after that, there's like still so much more, that Jordan Peele puts in the second half in terms of spectacle and like visual and audible uh, sensations that just like, like I, I, when I saw this in IMAX, like the, the noises, just the, like the screams, like these screams in this movie oh, yeah. are yeah. in like so well. Mixed. Like I can't remember the name of the guy, but they made a point to, to list the, the visual uh, supervisor and the, uh, like the sound mixer at the beginning of the movie, because like, they're very important parts of this movie and they did such an incredible job. I mean, um, see that actually I do have one slight criticism though, with the sound, not in terms of what you're talking about, but I did have trouble understanding what actors were saying. At oh, certain parts. oh, for sure. 
Like, even though it was loud, like there were things where like, I feel like I might be missing some important plot details because like characters were talking. I was like, wait, what did you just say? And some of the mixing I think could have been a little bit stronger. I am deaf, but I do wear hearing aids. And so we can't blame it a hundred percent. No, there's definitely a lot with, um, especially Daniel Kaluuya. I think that his character just by nature is a very, and this is also something, uh, Logan Paul, shadow Logan Paul had, um, an issue with he he said that like Kalua's character was boring and wasn't acting and everything. It's like now that that to me was like when I was like you just log yeah, off. Yeah, come like, on. Like you're literally saying like Daniel Kalua is like legitimately one of our top ten actors working oh, today. Like it, it, like unquestionably to me. And so to be just like he's boring like. And, like I, you can't even find a better word than right. boring. Then I think that you should not be. Like, I think, and I mean, no, no, yes, go, go, go. good. I was going to say not to undermine an earlier point of mine, but there is a very sort of, uh, by comparing him to another filmmaker, a very, uh, Eastwood kind of magnetic quality to him where he has, you know, he, he's, he's very underspoken. Like he doesn't really articulate his stuff. Well, he doesn't even feel, like he can really articulate a lot of his stuff really well, but he has but he's not just quipping like, that, like Iron Man. Sure, so that means that he's innate, bad. But he has that innate kind of charisma and that majestic sort of quality that I think is so hard to pull off as an actor. That I mean, I just I found his performance to be pretty incredible for a number of reasons. But I thought that quality, uh, and also just that his, it's a really funny performance. Like I mean, mm. I, I think. You know, that's something that kind of gets undersold. I mean, we talked about before, like, you know, he sees, you know, all these kind of wondrous things or he doesn't, you know, deliberately for different reasons. But yeah, like he'll be caught up in like such a wondrous and horrific moment. And he'll just like be like, nope, not going to deal with that. Right. <laughs> just, nope. And which is, yeah. And he the way he sells like those every single nope, uh, as the title suggests, I think was uh, a credit to his uh, acting comedic timing. I thought they they all got a hearty chuckle. Oh, on yeah. Him. There's uh, like that one scene where he's in the in the car and he's continuously going nope. Like there's um there, there's so much. In, in fact, in the whole movie, really, like there's so much he does with his his facial expressions and his eyes. I mean, Kalui has always been incredible acting with his eyes, but in this movie, I think Peel like definitely showcases that because there's like so many moments where he's not saying anything, or maybe he said something. And like John, like there were a lot of moments where I didn't know what he was saying, but I kind of got the idea because like he'll like look somewhere or like do something. I'm like, okay, at least I understand yeah, yeah. what is could follow. Yeah, along. You know, like at least it's like when you're in a conversation and someone says something, but like you were kind of checked out, but like you, you like you zero back in, like you're back into reality and you're like, oh, okay. I mean, yeah. Adonis, you know, this, this happens yeah. with us with Spanish all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's just like, yeah, my mom's Puerto Rican. Her Spanish is like way too fast. Yes. And so like their time, like I, you swallowed that entire sentence, but <laughs> yes. I think I got it. My dad will just speak to me in like full Honduran is, is a lot like Puerto Rican Spanish. Cause he'll just go, incredibly fast something like that you have to slow down because i don't even know if what you said was a full cognitive sentence yeah this ain't youtube i can't slow down your playback speed <laughs> exactly yeah. I, I gotta i gotta admit with kiki palmer i was going into this movie and i had seen a few takes um thanks to will where they were just like you know what this is kiki palmer just like killing it like you know just blasting away and like watching the movie i was like yeah it's kiki palmer she's really good but i wasn't you know i was way more taken with daniel kalua and i was thinking she's solid she's good but like is is the other shoe gonna drop huh the other shoe because the shoe that stands it and i was like you know when's that gonna happen with her character and when it does that's when i was like oh yeah okay like she just kind of like overtakes the movie with her with her acting and it's like 
out of nowhere almost uh not in a bad way but just in a way of like I did. I was definitely like a, a hoping for it, and then it comes, and I was like, "This is such a great cast overall for me." And to the point where, like, yeah, you know, like the Stephen Young thing. I, I don't think we needed too much more of him. I'm kind of happy with what we got, honestly. I, I I think if we had gotten a little bit more, it would have been a little too much. And I I don't know. I I don't I don't want to say anything else on that. Maybe we will in just a, in a second when we'll we'll set the stage for some spoiler talk. Yeah, I guess maybe my complaint with Steven Yeun's character is just that maybe I wanted more direct interaction with the main characters. It just kind of seemed like, I, I mean, I think yes, thematically, I that, yeah. thematically, I think he really ties the film together, but I, I in terms of narrative, I feel like he's caught often on the side, which is fine. I, I like, wanna, okay. Yeah. I have one. I have a very spoilery thing. Uh, I want to talk about actually in that a suggestion. I wonder what could have helped. And it, yeah, I know what you're saying. Ba- don't right. get back. So you drive Jordan Peele, John, sure. who do you think you yeah. are? Um, a fool, uh, for one thing. Um, but any last uh, non-spoiler thoughts before we play the Rotten Tomatoes game? Non-spoilery thought. Um, I guess I would say this is one of those very few times where even watching the trailer, I'd say I think you're pretty safe going into this movie. Like, I think I only saw like the first two, yeah, was, if there were more than that. But I think... Uh, I, I don't think they give anything away, if I'm being honest. Uh, the final trailer gives away a decent bit. I, I, if you can't avoid the oh. final trailer, I would say avoid it. It's usually the final trailer. That's the one where the suit is just like, you know what, whatever. Just give them what. Yeah. If you're still not convinced, you know. Here's the movie. Right? Usually my rule of thumb is like if you're going to watch a trailer, usually the best bet is is either the first teaser or if you really want to risk it, um, the uh, first trailer. But yeah, once you get into like official trailer two or, you know, TV spot teaser, it, it, you run a little bit more of a risk. You never know. Yeah, I mean, general thoughts. I just wanted to kind of say that, I mean, as we were talking about before, there's so much to explore as far as like, I think thematically it's really compelling and all that. I, I think the one thing I just wanted to really highlight is just how much I appreciate this movie on, as we mentioned, sort of a sim- cinematic level. Uh, it did remind me, like, thinking back earlier this year, like, I, I feel like this is giving me the highs that I'd gotten from Northman, which is, you know, also Robert Eggers' third film. But there is this weird thing with the film where it is kind of reminiscent of, like, you know, Steven Spielberg's third film was Close Encounters. And even though Signs wasn't Shyamalan's third film, I think it was actually his, like, fifth, people treat it as his third film because people act like uh, Sixth Sense was his directorial debut. And there is this interesting thing where, you know, all these prominent filmmakers use their third film to explore, you know, aliens, but also just, like, this the the humanity they're in, you know, certainly with, like, Richard Drives' character in Close Encounters, kind of him going mad uh, with obsession with it, and then also... You know, with signs like the the, the in house, like you know, having this sort of uh, you know very grand cinematic thing, you know, you know, with the weeds or the the cornfields, but you know, most of the main action happens in the house, and I think those are two qualities in this film as well. But as we mentioned before, I just think it's still very true to Jordan Peele that he only continues to grow and have a, such a distinct style, both as a writer and as a director. And seeing that continue to grow and flourish is something that I find so satisfying and so compelling from him as a filmmaker. I think, you know, he's only continuing to evolve in that respect. Even if I don't think his films are always getting better and better, I think he continues to get better and better as a filmmaker. And that's something that I find so enthralling and so interesting as he continues to get bigger budgets. I think this was like 70 million or something like that. Uh, I I just I find that to be. 
very exciting uh, at a time where IP is driving the market. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And we didn't mention, but Hoy Van Hoytema is the cinematographer. And yeah, what they're able to make with this, like, what, you know, the practical effects and the mix of the actual, like, you know, computer generated effects too, is pretty seamless. Uh, there's a reason people are comparing this so liberally to Spielberg. It, it really does have that quality to it. That kind of like throwback thing um, where we have the tech to show off impressive big things that you can't, you know, that actually feel magical to see on screen. Uh, and yeah, I, I, the last thing for me is like, I, I think that this is impressive on almost every level. I think there are just a few flaws here and there, you know, it's, it's, I don't think it's a masterwork necessarily. I think like one of the things that holds it back is I, I just, I think the sibling dynamic isn't that great. And I do wonder if, if part of that is because Peel, you know, he was an only child, right? Or not an only child, but I, I don't think he had like a sister. Um, he might've had brothers, but I, I just don't think he nails a screenwriter like what it's like that sibling relationship as well, even though the characters themselves work really well. But uh, certainly there are people who are going to disagree with that, though. Let's play the Rotten Tomatoes game. So the way the Rotten Tomatoes game works is Will and Adonis are going to guess the Rotten Tomatoes score. And I have a feeling they both have seen the Rotten Tomatoes score at some point. Um, is that the case, boys? I feel like I looked it up, but I genuinely, honestly, don't remember what it was. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the cinema score was. So I will yeah, knows we, that too. Yeah, we can just mm. kind of get cinema score out of the way first, I guess, since we both know it. Wait, um, I don't know what it is. Oh, you don't? I didn't look it up. Okay, then let's let John guess it. <laughs> yeah, I get to join in on the phone okay. once in a while. <laughs> so, John, um, yeah, you take a guess. What is the cinema score for Note? I'm gonna say B plus. Okay. Uh, it's a little bit lower, I believe. Isn't it like B flat? I think it's like yeah. I think it's a flat B. Yeah. So low, low for. Okay. Uh, for I was this thinking movie. B. Yeah. Yeah. But I was a little bit because well, I think Us was a B, wasn't it? Was it? I don't know. I don't know off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure Get Out was an A or an A plus. So. Oh yeah, I mean it's his biggest crowd pleaser, you know, and uh, I think that it's it's Which, an easier film to walk out of and be like, I got it because there weren't right. as many layers and metaphors, right? Right. Right. I mean, that's a, I'm yeah, I mean, it, it is right fascinating because that's a script that he worked on, I think, for like literally a decade. I think he first started writing that in like 2008. Right. So that's a script he like honed and honed. And so that's like an airtight script, uh, even though he mm-hmm. changed the ending uh, for the better, I guess. But, um, but us, yeah, us was a B. OK, but yeah, I mean, I find that more interesting that he's using that platform to make more sprawling and ambitious and ultimately indulgent and messy films i think in good way for those latter two words but uh yeah i I can see why general audiences can be kind of put off by that though i do find it fascinating that this film is kind of getting a somewhat divisive response considering that has more of a crowd-pleasing feel to it i don't know if you guys agree or disagree with that i agree completely actually yeah um but okay let's see if you'll get the the Rotten Tomato score, because it might, it might be different from when you checked it last. But definitely, yeah, let me know if you remember or have a guess based on that. So we'll start We'll start with Will, because uh, I feel like it's been a while since you saw the Rotten Tomato score, hasn't it? Uh, I think I saw like a variety article from like Friday or something where they spoiled okay. it. Um, well, go ahead. It might be different. I mean, the score then was, I believe, 89%. But I want to go a little bit lower. I'm going to guess 85%, just because I feel like people are a little bit down on this film not on my timeline as we established but just in general seems like people like the film but they have some reservations or they're kind of coming out of this being like i don't know i'm not quite vibing with this film so 85 seems right in my heart all right so 85 is will's guess and i forgot to mention that's 251 reviews counted so far 
Uh, what about you, Adonis? I'm actually going to be pretty close to Will's. I'm going to guess 87%. Will wins this round because guess what, guys? It's 82. Oh. That's way lower than 89. Uh, yeah, I lowered quite a bit. And yeah, I, I've read a few negative reviews. I haven't really found any of them yet. Like, yeah, I found them good and everything. I found some good ones. Where I'm like, okay, that's interesting criticism. Um, but I haven't found any where I'm just like, really like, wow, you know, I, I didn't even think about that. Or like, you know, I've definitely been enjoying the positive reviews so far more. Um, I've been finding them very fun to read. But okay. Um, what about audience score? Audience score is always an interesting one, isn't it? We have 2,500 verified ratings. Or 2,500 plus. Uh, Donis, you get to start this time. What do you think the audience score is? Okay. I'm going to guess it's somewhere... I'm, 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 I'm going to guess it's like not too far off from the critic score. I'm going to guess like 79. I'm going to go like a 79%. Okay. Donis guessed 79% for the audience score. What about our buddy Will? I was thinking 76. Will wins yet again because it's 70 what yeah yeah it's a bit lower isn't it um so an 82 70 split which is pretty you know audiences are taking one look at this movie and they're saying no thank you um okay so i think they're going more like meh than no thank you but uh i get your point it's like a polite you know meh um okay (laughs) that could be because i mean i tried to get a lot of people to go see this with me and i think 10 out of the 11 i asked were like no it looks too scary so maybe audiences are just like you know and then you responded you look too scary and it created yeah. all this drama then i lost 10 friends you know yeah sitcom <laughs> laugh then the violence <laughs> happened <laughs> <laughs> oh no uh okay letterboxd uh we have ninety thousand people have logged this on letterboxd that's not a lot for a movie that i thought would probably be in the hundreds of thousands by now um but yeah, it's it's not low or anything. I mean, sometimes we're looking at these and they're like 10, 20,000. But yeah, 90 for a big budget blockbuster summer movie. Kind of, kind of, I don't know. Uh, but what do we think the average letterbox rating is? Starting with you, Will Ash and Willie Ash. Uh, 4.4. Will guesses 4.4. Adonis G. I'm going to go for a clean 4.0. And I, I like to think in my heart, Adonis won the whole game. Because he got that spot on. There's no way. And it's a, it's a clean four, which I'm surprised you guessed so high, Mr. Will. Um, I know you have been like, you've been telling me it's like my letterbox is like raves up and down. But I've been yep. telling you, Will, that it's not been for me. Well, four, four I, is actually pretty high, too. I thought, uh, you know, I thought you had the outliner timeline. You know, I thought more people would be like me my timeline and being like rave rave Rookie rave mistake yeah pretty good rave, the rave, opposite rave. is usually true isn't it <laughs> yeah so. oh man all right well that is our spoiler free section for nope from this point on we're going to talk about this movie in a little bit more detail uh, maybe get into a little bit more specifics around what we liked toward or liked or disliked uh toward the ending of this movie starting now so you have been warned um i said in my review of this movie that i think that you know this is a movie that will, you know, make some people hate how much they love movies because it really is kind of turning the camera on audiences themselves. And so I've been kind of expecting people to be a little bit like uncomfortable with the message in this movie. But I can see a lot of people being like, this is the message we re- need right now. And the message being, you know, we will do anything like, you know, the public 
the sort of Hollywood machine has this unsatiable hunger for, you know, monetizing bad stuff, you know, taking something very traumatizing and making a movie out of it. And that, of course, ties in with the whole Gordy thing. And I love how that gets woven into this. I've seen criticisms a lot of criticisms that have said, like, we, they, we go to the Gordy thing twice, it starts the movie, and then in the middle of the movie, we have the extended version of it. And it's like, I don't understand why, you know, it feels out of place, or like, this doesn't tie to, you know. And then I've seen people be like, I get what it means thematically. I get that Peel is saying, you know, that this is the tragic flaw of the Stephen Young character, and they get that it connects to the message of the movie. But I think people are just sort of being like, it's not functionally working for them, but I don't. I don't agree. I think it's great. I, I think there have been movies that have, bro- that have twisted the rules on this a bit and have done this. Tarantino has done tangents like this a lot in his movies, and I think that I was going to bring up Tarantino in, in this section. I didn't want to bring up too early, but you know, because we did we did reference Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But I think the way that he does that with his kind of like sprawling movies is so reminiscent of like what Peel is kind of doing here too, where it all, it doesn't just lend to the message. It doesn't just explain character motivation. It also just like is extra atmosphere. And that scene is just, I can just tell that he probably was told by a few people to make it shorter. And he was just like, nah, I'm making him watch the whole dang thing. And the two scenes I referenced before, and I want to get y'all's read, but this scene and the digestion stuff, where, you know, it's basically like a roller coaster scream factory and you see them being digested. I I cannot believe that this movie exists in that fashion, that this was released and that I watched that because like I was so deeply disturbed by it. I we just I just don't get that from movies very often. You know, something like Crimes of the Future, you know, that's kind of what I was expecting for that movie, and I didn't get it like I got with this movie. Go ahead, Will. Tell me tell me why but, you hate that uh comment. Crimes of the Future, good movie too. But anyway, no, I mean Adonis I, likes it, so I'm I'm it's surrounded. A good movie. Uh, yeah, Adonis, you wrote the uh, write up for it on uh, the best of the year so far list, right? For young folks, if I'm not mistaken. I did, I did. John and I never yeah. actually talked about it, but I I do know that I did like it a little more than he did. Um, I liked it a, a little more than most people did, but that I think that probably connects to the fact that kindred spirits. I think it's just also the fact that I'm not really like a huge Cronenberg fan, you know, like. I, I wasn't really, I, I didn't, I, I don't think I've seen much of his stuff. And I, if I have, it's only been recently. So I think that like a lot of people are like, oh, I get it. You know, it's just Cronenberg being Cronenberg. And for me, that was just like, not to go off too much into a tangent about it, but for me, Crimes of the Future was just like my first time seeing Cronenberg go full Cronenberg in my, in my timeline. So, but um, to tie it back to Nope, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, I just don't, I, I think the movie could work without Stephen Young's character and without the Gordy stuff, but I don't think it works as well without it. And I mean, Agreed. I think his that all that stuff with uh, Stephen Young's character and with Gordy, I think is the stuff that I've been thinking about so much since I've seen it. Uh, A.A. Dowd had a great piece about it in The Ringer. But I mean, I just want to say, like, I, I think to your point, there were like two moments in the film that I just have been reflecting upon a lot. Certainly the Gordy scenes earlier, but I think. More than the digestion scene that you're referring to, John, I think that shot of Steven Yun like looking up at the sky as the aliens sucking everything up, and you just see the people floating up in the sky, like their shadows, and he's just like so caught up in the wonder of it that he's not really processing the trauma of like in the terror of like right. 
what's happening. I think that's a shot for me that I think about a lot upon reflection of this film, just because it comes up his the tragedy of this character who is just, you know, so innately tied to this horrific thing that happened to him. And, you know, child actors in general just have this connection to, you know, Hollywood where they have to kind of grow up too fast or they get caught in these, you know, terrible moments. I was just reading last week that uh, Sarah Pauly uh, was talking about her experiences working on uh, what's that Terry Gilliam movie? Uh, Baron Monzuser, or something. you know what I'm talking about? Uh, Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Munchausen, sorry, Munchausen. Yeah, which is a film that's I haven't it, seen. I think but, that's what it is. But uh, it's part of her book. But like, the, the, there's a piece about it in the Guardian. Terrific uh, article, just talking about like how you know, like it's like yeah, it's a great film, and you know, I, I you know, don't dismiss the experience of it. But it's like, is it really worth all this trauma that I had to endure, you know, working on this chaotic set, dealing with all this? And I was thinking about that a lot, watching his film and how like, you know, uh, with Stephen Young's character, he has to kind of process everything through the the business of show business where like, you know, like not only did this horrific thing happen to him, he survived uh, with, a you know, a, a, an actor, you know, in this case, a chimp who he had this connection with, you know, a scene with the the palm thing. But, uh, you know, he has to also process it through, you know, comedy in, uh, you know, like SNL sketches and like all these different things where innately people use. That was real use, horror. <laughs> uh, Anytime you somebody reflect, <laughs> yeah, trying right. to explain an SNL sketch to you. Right. Yeah, I yeah, know. Well, yeah, yeah, that too. <laughs> but also just like the idea, I think someone tweeted that. But um, yeah, just the idea Did that like, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw someone tweet that. And at the time I didn't understand it, but now I do. Was it um, no, I wish. Uh, but uh, I would love to see his review of the film. Um, but yeah, just the idea that like people have to innately kind of process these things through comedy in a way that I feel like Jordan Peele is critical, but also just recognizing as someone who comes from sketch comedy that like, so many horrific terrible things happen that like as a society we kind of have to use either comedy or horror the process these things you know because that's the way he's doing it with horror right because the travis the chimp thing he's like clearly referencing like not just him like bringing up the gordy situation because that similar thing happened with a chimp that went yeah wild and the chimp i think was a i don't know if it's directly related to that but there was like a woman who got like horrifically mauled. Yeah. That, so that's what I was about to say. Uh, like literally they call out Oprah in this movie. Right. And right. Oprah made this big spectacle of like showing a maimed woman at the victim of the Travis, the chimpanzee. I believe it was the same. And like, yeah. they literally do that in this movie where he, mm-hmm. you know, brings in, you know, and calls attention to yeah. his co-host who like at that point, we were not, we didn't even know who survived. Co-star. Right. Like, I'd, yeah. Uh, his co-star on the show who like, it's kind of implied that like he's the only survivor, but she survived. Uh, as well but was horrifically you know maimed and she mm-hmm. shows up and it's like i felt so bad for her in this because like right. then she because of him like yeah the the vicious cycle continues and she ends up you know this horrible grisly fate also what was she doing there she should have she should not have come around i don't know how but I I mean, but, yeah but i was gonna say uh if you actually look at like the clips from uh charla nash uh, on oprah i think she's wearing the exact same outfit that she is wearing in the audience really? there huh. so you know yeah interesting it's pretty messed up pretty messed up what, what do you in adonis i think we gave you a chance to really sit on those scenes um yeah uh i was actually jumping off from will uh the steven yen thing um that scene in particular and the the very first scene of the movie i think kind of like echo in my head just over and over again because 
I mean, there's that scene where like Gordy is like this. This is before we realize who he's looking at, and we assume he's looking at us, right? Where he kind of just stops, takes his hat off, and just stares right at you, right? I don't know that one. Oh, I guess I said. I guess something I said sounded like you know who. I won't say it again. But um, she's listening in. Uh, yeah, but there's um, there's like that moment where he looks at us, and I guess that's Jordan Peele saying, you know, obviously, you know, like the audience, you're a part of this too. Um, so that really resonated with me, but it's also just like the idea of, of, of Gordy and, and Steven Yen's character. I don't think really would have, I don't think the movie would have been as strong if Peel had cut any of that out, because I think that, I mean, yes, it is a very, uh, it's, it's, it's taking a metaphor and turning it into a subplot for sure. But that's something that like Peel hasn't done like in this in this manner before, but like, it's something that he's definitely referenced. Like in get out and us, there are moments and like there's pieces of dialogue that you think don't really matter much, but then like later on, it turns out they did. This one was more like a, a, a scene, like an entire scene that may not have made much sense at first, but then you realize at the end, Oh, you know, like the, the Gordy's home incident definitely connects directly to the rest of this film, to Stephen Yin's tragic fate. And that's why I was saying earlier, like, I, I feel like maybe it's just, like my projection as an audience member. Um, I don't know if Peel wanted us to see uh, Ian's character as like an antagonist, even though he's kind of like, not necessarily against like the Haywoods, but like he's very much like a, a force they have to kind of like be aware of, you know, with their park and everything. But for me, he was just kind of like a tragic, uh, just another tragic protagonist. You know, I think he was just like an example of, taking because for me the biggest uh, among all the layers in this movie the biggest one that like really stuck with me is like life is what you make it you know like miracles are they can be good and they can be bad you know and i think throughout this entire movie we see a ton of good and bad miracles you know like Stephen ian's survival can be seen as a miracle quote unquote but at the same time it deeply affected him you know he saw a, a chimpanzee massacre right in front of him and he took that and kind of you know you can see it and say like you know he took it and became a stronger person and like didn't let it control him and he's kind of trying to take control over but also you look at the way it ends up and compare that to Daniel Kaluuya's character who kind of is going through a similar thing you know a very traumatic bad miracle happened to him and his family um, and he's also kind of taking control of it, but it's not so much like he, he says it somewhere in the movie. And I don't remember exactly how he phrases it, but he's like, you can't really tame a wild animal. You have to come into an agreement with it, you know? And I think the whole scene with like the fist bump, uh, later on in the movie with Gordy and, and Yin is kind of like reminiscent of that because that was kind of like an agreement that he didn't really realize was an agreement. He took that as like, Oh, okay this this animal trusts me you know i'm a trustworthy kind of person this must mean any i'm special. exactly exactly i'm a special kind of person um and so for me that was like such a tragic that's kind of why i think i and like like us like so many people resonate so much with Stephen his characters because like he is kind of another reflection of the audience you know i don't think that i think given if we were to go through the same sort of thing you know uh it probably end up the same way. You know, I don't think that, um, I don't think the Haywoods are necessarily characters you can't really connect to in that sort of way. But I think that I, I, and again, I don't want to put like words in his mouth, but I think that Peel was like trying to say like, okay, these are the characters, these are our heroes. But Stephen Yen's character was kind of a little more realistic to me. 
um, like his whole journey, his arc, it just like made a lot more sense. So, but I, I kind of re- agree with you, John. I don't think we needed much more. I would have liked to see, I would have liked to have seen like them interacting a little bit more, but I think that his arc was pretty cut and dry, very good. Like from start to finish, I think that it was really necessary. So I don't really like, I, I see why people look at it and say like, Oh, it wasn't necessary. Oh, I don't quite understand it. But I, I also kind of don't see that after watching the entire movie. Cause I think that Peel did a really good job of wrapping up the themes, like the connections between Gordy's home and like the, the UFO debacle, like pretty well, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, that's why I kind of pushed back against, uh, I forget it was you or John said that he might be a secondary antagonist. Cause because me for sure. I mean, yeah, he is. Okay. Uh, because yeah, I mean, he is like buying the horses and he, you know, offers to, by the ranch, but he's not like a you know nefarious businessman. Sure. He's not like doing he's, it. He's under dressed false. like the mayor from Jaws for a reason. <laughs> well, sure, yeah, right. But I mean, he does have this like you know chintzy theme park, whatever, and it, it is kind of garish in its way. But you know, I mean, it's not like what he's doing is in, is directly bad until we get to obviously the moment where you know he makes such a you know horrendously fatal uh, mistake well, and tra- there is yeah. animal cruelty right he's well, feeding okay, horses yeah. to well, yeah. Yeah, fair enough yeah he's endangering well, these people you know like yeah. he's knowingly like luring in an unpredictable and primal creature or wild animal in All order right, to enough. like make right. money right but as uh Donis was saying i think it just it, i find him more to be just an inherently tragic character more than i find him to be uh nearly a, a secondary antagonist i just see him as like someone who just innately is so flawed and so marred by this horrible experience that, you know, I, I, I just find him to be a very fascinating character. And I think Stephen Young uh, portrays that complexity in very interesting ways, he even does. down to the point of, you know, making a soliloquy about Chris Kattan's performance as a chimpanzee, one of the most uh, dramatically devastating moments of a film. I mean, you know, only a great actor, I think, can truly do that. One of the things I really like, too, is that it's a movie with predominantly people of color. You know, Stevie Dunn being Asian, you know, two black actors. You know, I think um, Angel, he he appears to be, like, maybe Filipino, or I I don't actually know what his ethnicity is, but, like, you know, certainly, like, you know, a, a darker skin but like i think that that's kind of the idea they're getting around like i think like the one sort of like white major character we have is the cinematographer who you know i i think is you know kind of fitting considering his whole deal and how he essentially like you know in his journey for like the perfect shot and i've seen a lot of criticisms about his character and his motivation what he's doing to me it very much is like on the nose almost to a fault but i like it i like jordan peele kind of being like here is this here is this uh you know very this director who's so obsessed with analog who's so obsessed who's a bit of a nolan type you know that he's literally going to put himself like literally like criticizing the hollywood movie machine and that sort of like over obsession with everything being practical everything being like analog right it's like well, we have to do it this way you know and that this attitude of like it's the only way to make a movie um you know it has to not just be, it has to be shot on film. Like mm-hmm. you can't have art otherwise. And I think that that's so on the nose, but in a very good way. I have so much more to say, but I feel like, yeah. well, you got to, you got to step in, don't well, you? Well, no, I mean, it? I just, yeah, I mean, that character, I mean, that, that really gets into, as you were discussing before, this, the whole idea of spectacle, the idea that like we have uh, often seen so many filmmakers feel this drawn need to be like, okay, like I, I want to make film. Like in this case, he, he has, you know, seemingly 
good purposes as far as like he's using his film to like make documentary footage about animals, not in like malicious way, but kind of more to document their lives and just kind of, you know, preserve them for film history. Well, you can tell uh, how but, desensitized he is too, right? Watching animals sure. kill each other and he's just yeah. like, whatever. Right. But yeah, I mean, like, yeah, he, he gets like, uh, we can discuss it, I guess, because of spoilers. But yeah, he gets, you know, like, not like the best footage this in the world. Spoilers. Yeah, sure. But he gets like the footage of the alien. It's like great. It's a triumphant moment. They finally got it. It's on film, so they don't have to worry about it, you know, going kaput with the electricity. But he sees the, you know, the sun in the sky, and it's that twilight hour. And he gets that Terrence Malick influence where he's like, I got to do it. Now it's the perfect time, the perfect lighting. He has a chance to do the impossible shot. It might take him, you know, out with him. He seems to know that it's going to take him out, but he just oh, feels yeah. a strong need. And we see the footage a little bit, but it's like, you know, he doesn't even get it really. And, you know, that's just, you know, kind of compelling to his character is that like he feels, uh, you know, this just innate need to kind of do the impossible uh, and that's, I mean, it's filmmaking so, yeah. in a nutshell, but also, you know, makes her. It's, it's not just filmmaking, character. it's yeah. Hollywood. Sure. I think that's what Peel is getting at. And I think it's why I resonate with the movie so much. It's I've talked about this a bunch. show business, baby. I think there is, a, there is such a profound dark side to Hollywood that I think Jordan Peel is eviscerating here. That, you know, you can, you can especially, you can feel it when you go to LA. Um, I know that, Will, you spent limited amount of time in LA. Adonis, I know. I think you've been there um, more than once, right? Mm-hmm. Um, no more parties for me, in LA. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- the thing is, like you know, I've I've talked about I've talked to people about like why I live in the Bay Area versus you know L.A. When I I had a chance to live in L.A. and I have just never vibed with it. There is just like there's this sweaty energy. There's this sort of like that that callousness that Stephen Young's character has from child star to adult actor is is very very common it's very very there there's like this lack of emotion there's this like you know there's a certain critic that will and i sometimes joke about we won't say his name but like you literally sent me a tweet where he was like remarking on like the death of like a famous person and it was just like so tone deaf but it was just like if you're in la for like 10 minutes it's like it's a very common thing and I'm not trying to go hard against people who live there, obviously. And there's so many exceptions. It's too many to count. But like, it's certainly a culture, you know, it's a culture of prioritizing it, like putting stuff on film and making money off of it. No story is off the table. And I think Peel has made a movie that is like very much about that. Mm-hmm. And I love it a lot <laughs> because but, it's something that mm-hmm. needs to be said. I, I do got to push back a little bit on that, though, because I do think while it is very critical of it and satirical of it, it's not like the beta test, the film we discussed, I think last year, the year before where it's just like, this is a very seedy, ugly place that kind of brings out these, you know, no, terrible it's smarter people. than that. Sure. I like that movie fine, but I mean, uh, I think this movie, it, it's both. It's like, it is condemning it. It is satirizing it. It's mourning it in some respects, but it's also celebrating film. Like it's, if it was just completely condemning film, I feel like it would be also a lesser film. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah. it's completely, I think it's, it's not completely condemning it because I mean, our main characters who we root for are doing the same thing, right? Right. Well, that's what but I mean. They are doing yeah. it for the right. Yeah. They're doing it to save their ranch. Like you know, their motivations are in the right place, but there's a sociopathy yeah. to what other but, characters are trying to do that he highlights. But I think it's intentional though. That it, this movie doesn't take place in Los Angeles. It takes place several miles outside of it, close to it, but not directly in Los Angeles. I think if it was there, there sure. would have been too pointed in that respect. I think by making it 
you know, out closer into like the ranch area and then like out in the West, you are able to kind of see the, the, the luster of it and kind of celebrate the like cinematic aspects of the story. And, and I mean, not only it makes it appealing to watch, but it also recognizes that like, yeah, it's, it's, it's understandable why they're getting caught up in wanting to do this thing that is, you know, very hectic and very dangerous, even for Stephen yeah. Young's characters, Ricky, like as tragic, as dark as in as brutal as the story can be, you can understand his, uh, his, you know, show business desire to kind of, bring you know some, some sense this tragic incident something you can't really verbalize uh yeah I, I think it's both i think that's what makes the movie so compelling is that it can recognize the beauty of film and making film especially from an indie standpoint uh and recognizing you know the, the small guys on it you know the crew members the the animal yeah, wranglers but also you know recognizing that you know it is a terrible fries, horrible te- business tech salesman yeah. well yeah. there's <laughs> and also recognizing yeah that it's terrible too at the same time well i was gonna say i think that um that's a very that's a really good point you bring up well because i think that the whole uh metaphor of like well not metaphor but the fact that the haywoods are like horse trainers like they're the small guys you know and like you have angel is like the the camera guy the tech whiz um i think that also goes back into john's point of like this being a a movie with a primarily person of color cast because even as like kiki palmer's character mentions you know their grandfather was the the person on the horse in the in the the very first like great uh, great, 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 great. Yeah, they're great, great, great. There's another great. Um, yeah. You know, he was actually on camera. He was the first uh, black man on a horse, but nobody knows his name. They just know the name of the guy who directed it. Um, and I think a lot of that connects to. Uh, I think I think the whole movie connects really to like the the good and the bad of Hollywood. You know, Hollywood itself being like a miracle, like a place of miracles. But like people see the word miracle and instantly think, oh, okay, it's got to be all good. You know, it's got to be all oj and and emerald haywoods walking around but no you do have your steven yins and you have your i don't remember the name of the director but you have your your auteurs who are like walking around going you know oh, i have to find the perfect perfect shot and like if you didn't watch citizen kane five times this week then you're not a real filmmaker you know um and i love i, I really love his character because like i feel like that's peel kind of poking fun of poking fun at like what people assume he's like as a director just because of like this this yeah yeah. it's also referential because his name is antlers which i think is a reference to like the deer from get out there's also the scissors right in um from us that shows up in the scene there's a bunch of so like he's definitely supposed to be like a projection of peel um which goes back into like uh which is, is just like him kind of like poking fun at himself and poking fun at like the seedy side of Hollywood, but also acknowledging like, you know, there's good and bad sides to everything. There are still people in Hollywood trying to, trying to do the same things, but for the right reasons, you know, because like the Haywoods and Steven Yeun's character are still ultimately trying to do the same. Everyone really in the movie is trying to do the same thing. They're all trying to be a part of that moment, but they're all doing it for like different reasons. Like they have different motives. And I think it's really cool that it is like sort of on this like ranch, this like open deserted area because it kind of, it's kind of a metaphor for like, Hey, yeah. Well, you feel like they're making a movie. And I think that's the idea, right? It's not just the jaws thing. It's also because it does feel like jaws. It's like a whole, it's like a heist to capture the, or stop, you know, get a picture of the creature, but it's also combining with other movies. What? I just said, especially at the end, you know, the end is very, yeah, especially, 
and like everybody has their roles right like kiki palmer's kind of she's kind of the producer uh oj is kind of like he's a producer but he's also like a stuntman you know you have uh the cinematographer obviously you have you know the kind of tech guy you know you can argue who's the director but like you know it even comes down to um the Mm. tmz dude right who comes in who i i had to make a note of this when i saw in the credits they they named him writer um moybridge which is a reference to what the uh the horse film you were talking about adonis which the movie starts with um the horse in motion the first you know motion picture uh on the not even the man on the horse the the horse not even the man on the horse but the the director of that was edward mybridge and so there's even that sense of just like you know that person kind of butting in and trying to like basically capitalize on their work on like what they're doing so like yeah peel knows what he's doing he he peels back the layers uh yeah i think also like um yeah no uh going back going way back to like the the logan paul thing another issue he had with it was like um or or not really he missed this point entirely was like the the criticisms about like social media and like how fast-paced fame is these days everyone's always kind of like trying to be in the moment and like catch not so much like discover the next big thing but just like be a part of it and be like oh you know i was there i took the first picture of the next big thing so like you know here's my claim to fame but i mean i think it's cool that while he does acknowledge that aspect of it, he's not afraid to like poke fun at himself. He's not afraid even to poke fun at the Haywoods, you know, like, yeah, sure. They're, they're going at it for like really honorable reasons. You know, they want to save their ranch, but they're also like putting themselves in serious danger, like definitely going, like definitely putting themselves in in risk just to, to be a part of this moment. So I think that like a lot of the people who are like, Oh, this movie is just poking fun at like social media influencers. No, I think that Peel is poking fun at like the entire, uh, concept of Hollywood and fame and like being a part of like the next big thing, you know, every, we're all trying to do it, but mm-hmm. I think there's a lot to, there's a lot of commentary to have on both sides, you know? Yeah. I mean, even though the movie's not directly about like stunt people, I feel like that's such a plight of like the mm-hmm. stunt person, you know, another person that doesn't get recognized, like uh, often, you know, like they don't get awards or anything usually. I mean, I think there might be awards uh, designated for stunt people, like an own stunt person where I, I might be wrong about that. But, you know, like, I mean, that's something, you know, tying back to Once Upon a Time Hollywood that that film explores more directly. But this film, you know, kind of gets the heart of that where it's just like, you know, there are a lot of people who just do this because, you know, they feel compelled to and they're not going to get the notoriety or fame or even recognition for it and the film they make or don't even get to make uh, may not even be worth a while but they still feel that innate desire to explore and I think this movie celebrates that as much as it kind of mourns that you know feverish desire that we often have uh, in art as well as filmmaking to you know kind of explore the impossible even when it might be to our detriment so yeah if there's any bad miracle it's the fact that there are any films. Um, personally, I think that Jordan Peele is on the trajectory to become like one of our premier directors at this point. Already is. And I think that, you know, like, for example, like Universal, they're very lucky they have this guy um, because I think that he is like, you know, really just like elevating their game in terms of putting out movies that I think like are original that do have all of these layers um, but you know, they can, they can kind of, uh, have their cake and eat it too, huh? They can monetize this, right? Do you think we're ever going to go to universal 
studios and there's going to be like a Jordan Peele part of the park where well, it's like there's a ride where you go through the no gulch and <laughs> you did get you, noped. Did you stay for the end credits? Yes. Did you see it at I the didn't. end? I didn't. Is there the, at the there's end, an credits, end credits scene? Oh, come on. Uh, well, no, 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 no. There's not an end credits scene, but there's a, a promotional for it says come down the was it Jupiter's yeah. Landing or whatever the place is. It's, it's just, just a like, still. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's like all red, right? Because like the credits mm-hmm. up to that point, it starts orange and then it becomes mm-hmm. red, 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 red. And then it's like the promotion mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. It's, and it's uh, like, it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. It just kind of ends with like, yeah. I mean, it, it, it just highlights kind of the irony of it. Uh, oh, like, you know, like you yeah. still like, kind of like go to this place that <laughs> led to 40 people's horrific death. And you know, it's just like, they're still, you know, I mean, people yeah, still go to Disneyland because there is the Jaws exhibit. Yeah, and I mean, there's the Jaws exhibit at Universal. I mean, you know, one of their most there was a Jaws ride rides. for the longest yeah, time, right? You know? And uh, I think there is still a Jaws ride in uh, one of the other in the Universal parks overseas. I want to say, um, yeah, great movie. Uh, certainly one I'm going to be thinking about for a long time, and certainly one that I think uh, will probably be. It's probably going to be one of those you know Jordan Peele movies that people will be like hot take time i think nope is his best movie and you could probably say that people could do that for all of his movies for, you know uh except for get out maybe who knows how that'll shake out but i'm always i'm always excited to hear when he's working on something new this was certainly not an exception uh before we go uh yeah anything else i mean there's tons of stuff we didn't even get to there's the whole like the, the alien dumping on the house like poltergeist that was mm. oh, i love that so yeah. much oh. um that's actually i'm glad you mentioned that i wanted to say Earlier, we were talking about antagonists, and it, it, it dawned on me. I don't think there's actually, like... I mean, okay, no, that's not true. There's definitely an antagonist in this movie in terms of, like, you know, a giant alien space creature that's going to, like... But it's just nature, right? Right, exactly. And I, I think I, that was a really cool... I, I like to think... I thought it was kind of like a, like a stingray at first. And I was like, oh, it's like an animal. But, like, then it just becomes a bed sheets and... It becomes, like, the, the biblical representation of, like an angel yeah at the end there like the big eye thing it was straight out of like a digimon you know anjimon you know (laughs) when he gets into uh, ultimate form you're right oh do we like talk about all like the anime references and stuff in this movie like the oh yeah there's uh, an akira reference akira like oh yeah oh yeah you won't miss it Uh, i mean (laughs) it's pretty (laughs) i mean but there's also like I, i forget there's like some hoodie or shirt that kiki palmer's character wears there's like a yeah yeah I don't know. Oh, her and Dana Clore are like fitted up yeah. in, in references with their shirts for sure. Yeah. Loved yeah, yeah. Uh, the Scorpion um, King production hoodie. I thought that was great. <laughs> yeah, perfect, perfect choice. Cool. Like the perfect movie. It just, uh, yeah. I, I, no, some Western. Yeah. That was such a great line, too. It's just like, yeah, you guys were filming some Western. He's like, Scorpion King. <laughs> Scorpion King wasn't even Western. <laughs> but um, I also um, liked how like the, the, the creature's like mouth was kind of like a camera lens. And that was like a really cool touch, you know. I was just like, "Oh, cool! More, more metaphors for us. Thanks, more symbols." Right, right. Really cool way to like film it uh, on a budget as well. I yeah. think that like they did a great job. It was just such a unique design. Uh, I, I thought it worked yeah. pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I thought all the special effects in the film generally looked pretty good. The only thing I thought sometimes looked a little wonky was Gordy, but like, I mean, it makes sense why they right. use CG. There's like, an they actor. Used, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Terry uh, Nordery, Nordery, who was in the Rise of the Planet of the Eight movies, and then I think he was in the Square as well. He's he's like one also of the premier, Avatar. yeah, one of the well, he's going the new one or the the original one, the original, 
Okay. Uh, he might be in the new one, too. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. He's a premier motion capture actor right up there with... Him and Toby Kebbell are mm-hmm. locking it down. And, you know, mm-hmm. Andy Serkis, mm-hmm. you know, still... Oh, yeah. Andy, no, of course. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, it. I, I was really impressed with how much uh, he was able to pull off with the budget of $70 million, which, you know, still astronomically high film, but for a film like this is, is pretty is pretty uh, modestly scaled. Underperforming a little bit at the box office, um, not disastrously, but certainly not as high as they want. But uh, it could be, you know, a, a movie. It has all of August basically to itself. And so it, it could it could have legs. And I think word of mouth will help it. Well, I was going to say, I certainly think a lot of that is the lack of promotion surrounding this movie. I mean, if you really think about it compared to how like Get Out and Us, I mean, Get Out was promoted, I think, the most because that was like, jordan peele's directorial debut you know like go out and see this movie um us maybe just as much like hey if you like get out come see this but this one is like i mean i feel like peele and universal intentionally wanted people to be like okay don't don't watch a lot of trailers don't see a lot of like you know don't don't ask your friends how it was don't look just go up. see the movie you know sorry <laughs> yeah exactly i was gonna say this movie did don't look up much better than don't look up did um, i mean don't look up the note could change titles for my opinion i think for sure, yeah. <laughs> I, um, I definitely, yeah. I hope uh, for Nope that Jordan Peele, you know, continues to do original stuff. Like, I, ho- I just, I hope that he doesn't go back to the Get Out well because that was so profitable, you know? And I like that he's been doing something different every time. And, he, you know, he said, I think multiple times, he's like, I got other ideas. So I hope that Universal keeps lifting him up because they have a true talent, you know, on their hands. And uh, it's a great, it's such a great fit you know, studio to director. I think that they just really connect uh, so far. All right. Well, I guess that's uh, a good place for us to call it. We've been talking for a minute, but, uh, you know, last call for uh, any hot takes, cool takes or in between takes. Uh, I'll say two more things and then I'm good to end it. Uh, for one, uh, I just wanted to talk about how we, we alluded to it before, but a lot of people have been complaining about like, oh, they're not really explaining a lot in this movie. There's a lot that's left, you know, vague. And I have to kind of balk at that uh, criticism because I feel like people complained a lot during us and then even some respect would get out like, oh, there's too much exposition. Like they, they explain too much. And it's like, so I'm sorry, like, got to pick one or the other. Like, do you want them to be a little bit more obtuse and metaphoric or do you want them to kind of explain it? I, I mean, you know. Gotta pick a I always prefer the ambiguity as long as absolutely. it's done well. Absolutely. I agree. I just wanted to kind of get that off my chest. It was a, yeah. a mild pet peeve of mine. Uh, the other thing I was just going to say is this movie reminded me a decent bit of one of my favorites from last year, All Light Everywhere, and any movie that oh, can... Oh, yeah, Corey made that comparison. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. did he? Oh, that makes sense, yeah. Uh, any movie that can remind me of that film is A-OK in, that, in my book, I say. So that's all I got left. All right. Uh, but what about you, Adonis? Are anything to write home about? Um, I'll just say that, like, going back to like thinking, why why is Jordan Peele such a talked about director, um, so incomparable? I think that it's also just because he makes a lot of uh, black stories with black characters that aren't so much um, traumatic and i think that like like we talked about this with Candyman, um and there's also like an, an emmett till movie coming out and those movies are fine i think it's i think it's great that there's still movies like that to sort of showcase history because you know it happened we should educate people on it but it's also there's so there's there's so many directors uh white directors and even directors of different color who can tell stories that aren't so much about trauma 
Um, and I'm glad that Peel is kind of going away from that and kind of just telling stories that, cause there, there's a lot in Nope that I feel like definitely connects to black trauma or black, um, reality, but it's not so much saying like, Hey, times were hard. Here's how, you know, it's like, it's good that he, he is moving away from get out and kind of just making stories, uh, that he wants to make, you know, as a black creator. Um, so I think that's also another reason why he's such a sought out director and such an incredible director, because he has like a certain perspective that not a lot of people will have. Um, and he's given the platform to kind of tell it. Um, yeah, that's, that's really it for me. All right. Well, Nope is now playing in theaters. Nope. Laying into anyway. Um, <laughs> We'll be back next week. I'm not sure yet what we're going to talk about, Will. Uh, I'd like to talk about Marcel the Shovel Shoes on. If you um, want to We do could that. also talk about Vengeance, uh, uh, Resurrection. Sure. A couple smaller things. Yeah. Um, I mean, you let me know because I've, I've been ready to talk about Marcel the Shell since June. Let's go. I mean, if you want, I could see it tomorrow if you want to talk about it. I, I think that would be best. But uh, okay. I am biased in the sense that uh, I have an opinion. And my sure. opinion is that Marcel the Shell Shoes on is better than anything else i've seen lately so who knows sure uh i'll take your word for it i haven't seen it myself thanks adonis uh for coming on the show and you know just peeling back the layers with us i'm gonna do that joke one more time uh, to just really bury it into the ground you know, ruin my reputation that was great that was great um but yeah um, we'll we'll, ho- we'll hope to see you again soon from the internet california i'm john negroni from the pennsylvania i'm washington from a horse ranch in the middle of nowhere, Los Angeles, I'm Adonis Gonzalez. See you next time.